Hey guys, my, um, my text this morning is found in Malachi chapter one. So you go um, look for that for about 15, 20 minutes. And, um, and while you do, uh, I want to introduce you to somebody. Ishvan, uh, come here, come here. Um, this is a man, <laughs> I got to tell you a story and I wouldn't dream of giving Ishvan a microphone because he speaks pretty good English, pretty good English. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, he's Hungarian. His last name is Singular or something like that. It's like a pretty good, pretty good. But anyway, I want to tell you about when I met Ishvan. Uh, uh, last summer, as you may recall, I was in Hungary teaching a staff of which he's a part. It's Gabor's staff of, I don't even know what it's called, but um, it's Grand Campus Crusade for Christ. Crusade for Christ. I've heard of that. <laughs> anyway, so um, we had driven to this location for this, this, uh, this retreat, and it was out of Eger, Hungary. I'm sure you've been to Eger, Hungary. Um, well, we went up to this mountain, and it was a, it was a former uh, Soviet prison camp that we were staying in, and it was spooky. Uh, you know, they didn't have any lights on. It was dark, and the room that they showed me and Susie, it was like, you know. Um, and anyway, we were sitting there trying to gather ourselves from, you know, the shock of being in Eger, Hungary in a, in a prison camp, and, um, or a youth camp. That's what it was, a youth camp. And he and his wife came along. His wife's name is Izzy, and actually she's a whole lot cuter than Ishvan. Um, but I don't know how it happened, but they began to tell us their, their story. Their, their testimony. I'm, I'm going to do it real fast because it was precious. And it just, the rest of the week just went wonderfully. Um, Ishvan's long desire was to travel a lot. So he got a job with a company out of Iowa, I think, uh, selling seed or uh, grain or something like that. He was traveling all over the world. But he was drinking and drinking real heavily. Um, and, and he was married to this little girl um, who's cuter and younger than he is. And um, um, he met this guy, and he, this guy started talking about Jesus or something. And, and um, he got very convicted, very convicted. <laughs> and, um, and, and we're sitting in this prison camp, uh, this youth camp, and he's telling me this story. And, you know, and his wife is sitting right there, and she's as cute as she can be. And... and um, uh, he says, um, you know, I was drinking heavily, and so I got... He was having an affair. By the way, I have his permission to tell you this. Um, he was having an affair. And so he goes home. He's, he's so convicted of his... He weighed down with his sin one night. He wakes up his wife, and he says, Oh, don't. You know, I've, I've been hearing about this. She says, I'm so convicted about what I'm doing, and, and I'm having an affair, and I'm so sorry. And she says, It's okay. I'm having an affair, too. <laughs> <laughs> and through all that ugliness, they come to meet this Savior of ours. And, um, and now is a part of a ministry in, in, um, of Campus Crusade for Christ. He's even written a little thing that I'm going to use later on this year. And wherever he is, he hands out this little tract, which is nothing more than his own testimony. And... Um, I wanted you to meet him. And, and before you leave here today, if you've got a minute, come say hello. Ishvan. Ishvan. I mean, that's good in Russian, but he's Hungarian. Uh, <laughs> and, he, and he's over here, you know, trying to make friends. And this is the guy that you want to be a friend with. So say hello to Ishvan. Thank you, brother. Good to have you. <laughs> uh.
Oh, me. You follow now as I read that which is inerrant, infallible, inspired. It's, it's the very mind of God as black words on a white page. Um, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 of chapter 1, and I'll read through verse 8. So here it is. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the, of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see and you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name? Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You've offer, you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. Guys, um, I, I don't know how much you know about um, this last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Um, you know, he was the, uh, the first Italian prophet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I can't believe you're laughing at that. That is so old, and, um, and, and it's not even funny anymore. Uh, but I, I really just couldn't help myself. But, but, I, but again, I don't, I don't know how much you know about this, this book. Um, but one of the unique features of the book, one of the things that the book is known for is that it has a pattern. There's a pattern to this book that you can see throughout the, uh, the whole book. But you can particularly see it in those eight verses that I, that I just read you. Um, l- let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me show you the pattern. The pattern is this. Um, it starts with a statement from the Lord. I, verse 2, I have loved you. And then his audience replies, uh, or he says that his audience replies, but you say, <laughs> how have you loved us? Uh-huh. Yeah, what? You loved us? How? And then he goes on to tell them how he loved them. You come to verse 6, and it says, A son honors his uh, father and a servant his master. Uh, if then I'm the father, where's my honor? If I'm master, where's my reverence? Um, to you, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You, 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 you don't give me honor. You despise my name. And they say, wait, wait, wait a minute. How have we despised your name? And then he goes on from there and tells them how they have despised his name. In chapter 3, verse 8, you you get this statement, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? And uh, and they say, What? How 
have we robbed you? I don't know what you're talking about. Robbed you. I have we robbed you? And then he goes on from there and, and describes the way that the, the people of God have robbed him. Now, now that's, that's the pattern. God makes a statement. The audience replies. I don't, I don't believe that. Then he explains what he means. Now, guys, uh, I know you're glad, but we're not, we're not going to talk about chapter 3. We're going to talk about the one, the, the specific focus is the one in verses 6 through 8, the, the one that I wanted to mention this morning. It, it's the one where, um, where he says, uh, you know, um, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you, priest, who despise my name. And they say, wait a minute. We don't despise your name. How have we despised your name? And then he answers, this is how you've despised my name. You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? This is how, by saying that the table of the Lord is contemptible. Look down at verse 12. He, he continues and he says, but you profane it, that is the table of the Lord, in, in that you say, the table of the Lord is defiled. Now, guys, um, I, 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 I want to make sure you understand. Uh, I, I'm certainly not saying that Malachi is, when he mentions the table of the Lord, he does not have in view this table, which we call the table of the Lord. Um, th- th- this passage out of Malachi in no way is talking about this sacrament. I am not saying that. Here's what I am saying. I am saying that there's a possibility that exists that as you and I come to this table, that we might repeat the mistake, that we might repeat the offense that is mentioned by Malachi in chapter 1. We might, this sin of despising the table might reoccur as we misapproach this table. I'm not saying they're the same tables. What I am saying is that the sin may be the same. In, in approaching the table of the Lord and defiling it. And so you, in true Malachian style, say, well, how? How, how, um, how, have we, how can we despise the table of the Lord? Well, guys, y- you do know, I think, that the New Testament says the same thing. It just says it in, in, in a little bit of a different way. It uses some different words. Um, I, I want to read you the words that, that Paul uses when he talks about... Um, how we approach this table. He says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. And so we're back to the question. How is it that we might eat in an unworthy manner? How is it that you and I just might approach this table 
and in our so doing, defile it, despise it. How could we do that? Well, let me mention um, a couple of three ways. The most obvious way, guys, that we might repeat this sin of Malachi 1 is to participate in this sacrament as a non-Christian. Guys, um, this is a family table. This is, um, this is set for the family, the, 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 the Christian family. It's a sacrament that speaks to the family. And it reminds us of the, of the centerpiece of our deliverance. It's a table that reminds the family of that thing that delivered us from, the, from our sin. It, it's, a, it's a table that reminds us of what Jesus Christ went through in the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood so that you and I might be forgiven of our sin. Guys, this table is a safe place. It's a safe place for all those who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. But it is not a safe place for those who have not yet embraced him as their Savior. You know, if you come to this table and you're still trying to save yourself through your own performance, your own self-righteousness, then my friend, you're defiling this table. You're despising what what is being represented here. You know, I, I heard someone say this week, they said, more shame will never cover shame. The only thing that will is the blood of Jesus Christ. J.C. Ryle once said that the only thing that will quiet a guilty conscience is the blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled on it. And if that's who you are, this table is a safe place for us. We, we meet around it and get reminded of the thing that we need most. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's one way to defile the table. Let me tell you of another one. I, I'm calling it active sin. Now, now guys, um, by, by that, by active sin, this is what I mean. It's sin that is, that is presently your love. Or, or, or it's sin that's particularly alive in your consciousness right now. Guys, um, I, I really tried to choose my words carefully and to choose my words well here. Because um, I, I think we all know that we are by nature sinners. That, that's who we are. Sin is second nature to us. But what I'm doing is making a distinction between our sinful nature and our sinfulness. Folks, I, I'm certainly not saying that if you're a sinner, you can't come to this table because nobody could come. Um, but I am making a distinction between Knowing that we're sinful and having sin be active and alive in my life at this present moment. 
Let me, let me give you a couple examples. First of all, let, let's just say that I'm, that I'm addicted to porn, or at least close to it. And, and I, I love it. I have found a way to rationalize it in my own mind. And I don't intend to give it up because I like it. Um, a week ago, Friday, Susie and I were in the backseat of a car and we were in Prague, Czech Republic. And um, we had just had uh, lunch with Katka Babalova in her apartment with her colleague Zednik. And they were driving us to the metro stop where we had to catch the metro to go back to the center of the city where we were staying. And on the way from her apartment to the metro stop, we were talking about her sister. Her sister is somebody that, um, she, she, she was telling us this, that made a profession of faith in high school and then she went on to marry a non-Christian. And, and, and she was saying has given, is giving no evidence of belonging to Jesus Christ at all at this moment. And from the back of her car, I quoted her a verse. I quoted, I quoted a verse out of Romans 7, verse 15. And it goes like this, where Paul says, The good that I would, I do not do. But the very evil I hate, I find myself doing. Gang, that's how Christians talk. Christians say this. They say, the good that I would, I, 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 I don't do. And I find that the very evil, and here's the key words, the very evil I hate. The very evil I hate. You see, guys, um, wrestling with your sin, struggling with your sin, hating your sin, come. Come and be reminded that Jesus Christ has died for our sin. But if you love your sin, and you're committed to keep it, and you have no intention of giving it up. Stay away. That's to defile the table. Let me give you one more example and I'm done, uh, but it's less dramatic than that. Let's say that um, on the way over here, you had a fight with your wife, or you lost your temper with your kids, Nobody fights with their wife on the way to church, do they? Nobody gets mad at the kids and says something that they regret, do they? Well, guys, if so, take this, make, use this as an opportunity to make that right. Um, or at least this. Confess your sin and then Make up a plan. That is, put together a plan as you sit there as to, as to how you're going to deal with it once you get home. How you're going to address the sin that, that, that occurred this morning. And, and, and might this sacrament be a reminder that I need to deal with my sin. You know, the Bible says it so much better than I, so much more clearly than I. I mean, it's just a few verses. It's out of Psalm 32. And he says, 
Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord has, does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now listen to the next two verses, guys. This is, this is wonderful. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my, my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. When, when I kept silent about my sin... When I continued to clutch it close to my breast, I found that my bones ached. Listen to the next verse. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. Listen. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the promise to the family. This table is a safe place for all of us who know just how badly we need a Savior. Is that you? Come join us. Let's pray. Our Father, I, I do pray that you'll remind your people that uh, the greatest enemy of our soul is not um, the stock market. It's not the Republican Party. It's not the Russians. The great enemy of our soul is our sin. So would you meet us here, and would you remind us that what we need more than anything else is a, is a conscience that has the blood of Jesus sprinkled on it so that our souls can quiet down and we can love you more. Meet us here, Father, for Jesus' sake. We pray in his name. Amen. Hey, guys, um, I think you know that around here, I, I, just, I just told you that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome here. You don't have to be a member of this church. We're not saying only member. No, ma'am. If you belong to Jesus, this is set for you. But again, as you heard me say, if you don't, let's chat, call, let's, go, let's get together this week. And let's talk about the beauty of this Savior of ours. I think you know that um, on the night that he was betrayed, uh, he was meeting with the twelve in the upper room. You remember the scene. He took bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it. And he said this, this is my body broken for you. Now do this in remembrance of me.